Now, last week, as I already mentioned, we started a series called Thrive in the Wild. Everybody say, Thrive in the Wild. And the big idea that we're talking about, the main point that we are covering, is that we live in a world that increasingly feels like a foreign environment. There is so much that is different or contrary to what we believe, what we preach, and how we live that sometimes it feels like we're living in a place where we don't fit in. And that is the case. And in that foreign environment, it's much like the wild. And as Christians, we are not called only to just survive, just to scrape through life and hopefully one day make it through all of the trouble and all of the trial and all of the tribulations and struggle. We are not called just to survive, but God is calling us to thrive. Everybody say thrive. And so in this series, we, we started at looking at the book of Daniel and we looked at how God used him and his friends to make a difference in the world. And we're going to continue on with that story tonight. And here's, here's the punchline. I'll give it to you right off the bat. What you choose to consume will decide your ability to thrive in the wild. What you choose to consume will decide your ability to thrive in the wild. So anybody, I think we've done favorite food before, but who has a favorite restaurant that like if, if somebody was going to take you there and it's like no budget, what would you pick? Swish LA? Flavortown? Flavortown? Chick-fil-A? Montana's? Diplomat? Like the east one or the west one? West side Mario's? East side. Oh, my bad. What? Raising Cane's. Anybody else had Raising Cane's before? You've never had it? Raising Cane's is delicious. It really is. You know, if I had to, if I had to pick one, I would say like, uh, let's be honest. I was just going to pick a stupid one that nobody really likes, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, what? Burger King is, is really, really close what, to a, being a bad one. McDonald's. Oh, wow. Okay. Just let's, we gotta, we just gotta air this. Like, how many of you would say that McDonald's is like your number one option if you're going somewhere? For fast food. Fast food. Not like any restaurant ever, you know. Okay. Does anybody have a contrary opinion? Like, you like Wendy's better? Anybody more favorite of Wendy's? Really? Um, I have a piece of gum in my mouth, and I need to take it out, and I just wanted to like, let you know before I do it, or else it would look really awkward. Is that okay? Do I need a Kleenex? No, I'll just set it right here. I'll, when I'm done, I'll keep chewing it. I'm just kidding, everybody. Uh, is anybody, I don't know if I'm Wendy's. I think I'm more McDonald's. Wendy's is probably second. You just can't beat the speed of Wendy's on the north side, though, right? Like, that's the reality. The joke at work when we go is like, you're pulling in. You're pulling into the parking lot, and their hand's already out the window with your bag of food. It's like, I didn't even order yet, and they already knew. They are that fast, though. It's incredible. Um, Dairy Queen? Really? You've picked every single one of them. Well, which one's your favorite? McDonald's? Okay, so Dairy Queen. Any other uh, Dairy Queen favorites? Well, you just said McDonald's. Okay. Um, what else? A&W. A&W? A&W? A&W is a solid... People sleep on A&W. Can we be honest? 
A&W is actually really good, but people just, it just doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I, okay, that was the one that, see, that was the one that I was going to say that nobody really likes, right? Okay, does, would anybody say that Harvey's is their number one choice for fast food? <laughs> Hold on. No, it's not. You're lying. Would anybody say Harvey's is their number two? Really? Okay, now, I was, I was going to distinguish that there's something about the Harvey's in Fredericton. It just, the way it looks, it just looks gross. Yeah, it's just, like, small, and it looks dirty. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. Now, we don't have this as a, a fast food drive through I just, sh uh, honorable mention, sh sh uh, I have two, actually. The, the one I'm thinking of that is very clutch is... Taco Bell. <laughs> He's always so excited. Do I have anybody that would say Taco Bell's in their top three? Couple people. And, you know, I had a conversation with somebody in the last three or four weeks. There's like the stigma of Taco Bell was, oh, you're going to feel that later, right? That's just the reality. Like, I don't even think it's real. I don't even think it's true. I think people like made it up about Taco Bell. It's not that bad. Here's a good one. You ready? This is the last one, and then we actually have to start with what we, what we need to talk about. Huh? Deluxe? Deluxe is right there with Harvey's. There's just something about the Deluxe in Fredericton that weirds me out. It's not Deluxe. I'm thinking Arby's. You're cheering for everything, Gabriel. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Would anybody put Arby's in their top three? Nowhere near? Like... Is Arby's above or below Harvey's? Arby's is above Harvey's? Halfway? Half, how do you be halfway above? 2.5. So, like, what does Arby's get on the scale of 1 to 10? What number? Oh, 7. I feel like seven is really aggressive for Arby's. I know they do have curly fries. And it's just like that, that roast beef sandwich with the melted cheese. Like, do they have anything else on the menu? <laughs> That's the only thing I can even remember. Exactly. Thank you, Mitchell. What is Arby's? And honorable mention, we just have to throw this out there, but nobody wants to say it. Subway's pretty good, right? You just smell bad after, right? Yeah. Now, that's a stigma that's real. Like, I'm not sure about the feeling sick Taco Bell one, but it, it, you know when somebody went to Subway, right? Like, it just, there is an anointing that comes upon you, and it never leaves. What's that? Tuna sub? Bro, that's what I get. Tuna sub is great. Do you actually get the tuna sub? Oh. We're really crossing lines tonight. Has anybody, okay, we really need to move on, but it's okay. This is part of the lesson. Eating is part of the lesson tonight. How many of you have had the tuna sub from Subway? What? It's actually really good. Ah, it's not nasty. Stop. What is it? So the tuna... From Sobe, or Subway, not Sobeys. <laughs> Mar Marcus's 
favorite fast food place is Sobeys. Amen. Gabriel doesn't even know what he's cheering for anymore. So you're telling me that the tuna at Subway is not tuna. Okay. It's proven fake by who? <laughs> you can find whatever you want on Google. I will just tell you this. If you have not had the tuna sub at Subway, you do owe it to yourself to try it. It's very filling. And don't judge me for this. This is, this is not as weird as the mayo thing, I don't think. I put a little bit of barbecue sauce on mine. I know. I know. I feel the judgment. I feel the judgment. I shouldn't have told anybody that. Wow. Wow. Uh, long story short, McDonald's is king. Burger King is not. Wendy's is a very close second, in my opinion. Now, now that we've talked about food, which is part of our lesson, um, I will ask, especially uh, as we get going, I've been asking for feedback, guys in the second row, third row, fourth row. But as I continue on with the lesson, I would appreciate if you would just take a deep breath in. Do it with me. Deep breath out. You're good? And we're going to move right through the lesson. Now, food is important, and obviously we need food to survive. They say that you can probably go about eight weeks without food. Scientifically, you can go eight weeks without food. I'm not recommending you try it. Um, you know, I, I would not try to beat Jesus fast. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that's wisdom, but they say scientifically you could probably go eight weeks without food. That's 56 days. That's, that's a long time. And, and our body, did he just burp? That was so weird. What a way to break the ice. Um, you can only live in comparison about three to five days without water. But, but here's the point that I want to get to. In order for us to thrive in the wild, in order for us to survive in the world that we are living in, we need to make sure that we are taking in nourishment and that we are feeding ourselves. Now, uh, John Krakauer in his book, Into the Wild, anybody ever heard of that book before? I think it's also like an old movie. He tells this story about the life of a young man named Christopher. Christopher, after graduating from university in Atlanta, Georgia, he sought to cut himself off from civilizations, like a popular thing. He wanted to just go off-grid and live all by himself. And so he embarked on this journey across America, which would eventually lead to him living in the Alaskan wilderness. And after coming to the realization of his need to live among other people, he said, you know what? I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to live off-grid. I need to be closer to people. So he decided that he wanted to leave the wilderness. But Christopher had a problem. The change of season was hindering his return, and he had to live off the land until it was safe for him to leave the wilderness. And he was not well-equipped to do this. He, he didn't have what it took to survive that climate, and he began to starve to death in the harsh winter of the Alaskan wilderness. And his bad situation turned worse when he chose to eat what he thought was the seeds of a wild potato plant, but the seeds were actually the seeds of a sweet pea plant. And it seemed like a hard li uh, harmless mistake, and none of us would know the difference or even really care about that, but the reality was that the two plants looked similar, but the sweet pea plant actually caused him to dehydrate severely. And so what he thought was good for him, what he thought would be nourishment to his body was actually taking away and making it more of a struggle for him to survive. And so the tragedy of this true story is that Christopher 
would die in that wilderness, all due to his choice of eating the wrong thing. And though this might be an extreme example, the spiritual principle is the same for us. When you choose, what you choose to consume will decide your ability to thrive in the wild. What we intake, what we choose to live off of will decide whether we actually make it through life living in this wilderness that we are in today. Now, last week we talked about the story of four teenagers who were taken into the wilderness. It was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we learned last week that they understood that it was important that they stood and stayed together. When things were tough in their new school, they made the choice to stand for God together. And so we learned through their example um, that when we stand together, not only are we together, but God stands with us. When they were asked to do something that was contrary to their upbringing and their beliefs, they said, we are not going to do this. They agreed together, and God stood by their side in the fiery furnace. We talked about that story. Now, this week, to make it clear, we're going to look at the reality of if we're going to survive and to thrive, we must find proper food. Daniel chapter 1, verse 5. If you've got your Bible, it's also going to be on the screen behind you. It says this, The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens, and they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. So when Daniel was in the wild, the first thing, or one of the very first things that happened to him was that he was offered food to eat. But this wasn't just any food. It wasn't Harvey's or Arby's or Taco Bell or Subway tuna subs with barbecue sauce on them. This wasn't gross stuff, I guess. They were offered food from the king's table. And so at the surface, this doesn't really seem like a big deal. Matter of fact, this kind of seems like this is an upgrade. They were taken from their country. Things aren't looking good, but the king has selected these people. Now he's feeding them from his table, which would obviously be the best food in the kingdom. But this posed a problem. Even though the food was, was gourmet, it was, it was Big Macs and Baconators and whatever else, there was a problem. This food was bad for him. It wasn't bad for him physically. It wasn't junk food as far as health is concerned. But this food was bad for him because the food represented the worship of the false gods of Babylon. And, and let me make it a little bit more clear to you. The custom of that day was that when you would eat food, you would actually take a, a small portion of the food, a small part of what you were eating, and you would put it or throw it on the ground as an offering to the Babylonian gods. And so in order for them to partake, in order for them to eat this food, they would actually be participating in the worship of false gods that they didn't serve. And so they have this, they have this problem. Okay, we're offered food. We obviously need food to eat. But if we take this food, again, we are compromising what we believe because we are actually going to have to worship false gods that we don't believe in in order to take this in. And so here's the point. Just like Daniel and those other teen guys, food will be offered to us. And that food is, is metaphorical. I'm not talking about literal food, but I'm talking about a, a, a something that is going to be offered to you in the world, you will have opportunities to feed yourself with the things that are not good for you. 
those opportunities are just going to arise. First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 16, it says this. It says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world, the world offers you only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. But these are not from the Father. These are from the world. And so it's very evident to us that, you know what, there is going to be things, there will be things in our life, in our daily walk that are going to be offered or presented to us for us to partake in, but not all of those things are good for us. And so it is on us to make sure that when something comes across our path, when something is being put in our face or offered to us, that we know where we have to draw the line and say, you know what, I can't do this because you are offering me something that I know is not actually good for me. And so when we look at this, it it talks about different things that will be offered in this world and that we should not love the world. And so Daniel, he, he shows us how to live out these scriptures. And let's look at what Daniel did when the world offered him its food. Well, Daniel refused it. They made the offer, you can eat from the king's table, you have to take part in our ritual, you have to take part in our worship. But Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 says this, Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Daniel made the choice to refuse the bad food that was offered to him. He made that choice, that distinction. He, he drew the line in the sand that I can't do this because I know even though it's appealing, even though it's pleasurable, even though on the surface it looks good for me and it is something that most people would be glad to participate in, I can't do this because I know that the end result is not good for me. You ever been to a restaurant and had to send back food for some reason? Like the, the stereotypical or uh, whatever hair in the food? Anybody ever had that happen to them before? And people who have worked, like, in the restaurant industry, I think my wife has told stories, like, you know, somebody orders pie, right? There's, like, a hair on the pie, so they eat all around the hair. So they get the rest of the pie, and they're like, there was a hair on my pie. I want another one, right? Or I want a refund. It's like, but you ate 95% of it. That's just wrong in so many ways. This is kind of gross. But, but sometimes you have to do that, right? Hey, this isn't good. Or, or, like, you know what is even worse than that, in my opinion? You go somewhere... You order a coffee, you have this expectation of what the coffee should or would normally taste like. You're in the drive-thru, you get it, you get like 30 seconds down the road, you take a drink, and it's awful. You done that? Yeah. So basically, like, every time you go to Tim Hortons. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not. I don't like it. But, but that's frustrating, right? Because coffee is expensive. You go there, you spend 4 5 or $6, you get down the road, only to realize that it is, it's gross or, like, they didn't make it the right way. One of my old bosses, he, I used to drink uh, a double-double, small one, from Tim Hortons. This was like 10 years ago. And he drank, this is so gross, it was two milk, one sweetener. And one time he forgot to order me a double-double, he ordered two, two milk, one sweeteners. So I didn't think anything of it, but I drank it. And in my mind, I was just thinking, I've never tasted this before, I just thought it tasted like rat poison. Like, it's gross. Sweetener is really gross, especially in coffee. It's not bad in everything else, but I just, I couldn't get past it. 
But it's never good to, to get something and then have to send it back. But, but this is what Daniel did. They bring out the food. They load up the table. They present it all for him. It looks appealing and enticing, and most people would take the opportunity to divulge in what is being offered. But he refused to consume the things that would... Daniel, he decided. He made the decision to feed himself instead of just consuming whatever the culture put in front of him. And I want to challenge you today to be that kind of student who, like Daniel... When, when you have choices that are brought before you, that you make the choice to reject the bad and feed yourself with good. And so the question is, well, what, what do we feed ourselves with? And what do we take in today? And, and what should we be taking in? Well, the first answer, and it's obviously pretty baseline and something we talk about often, but We need to make sure we're not taking in bad things, but obviously substituting it with good things. It doesn't say that Daniel, he just fasted and he never ate while he was in Babylon. That's not the case at all. He did eat, but he ate what was tolerable or what he perceived as being good, not what culture was pushing his way. And so for us, again, it's not good enough just to not eat. We have to consume things in our life if we want to be strong and if we want to thrive. And so the first thing, and I'm going to quote a few verses here, but the first thing is the Bible. It's the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Psalm chapter 119, verse 11, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, it says, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Psalm 119, again, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Popular verses, we've probably heard most of these before. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is alive It's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And so we can understand that the Word of God is is good for us. It it shows us how we're living, whether it's good or bad. It it is that lamp unto our feet and that light unto our path. It, it leads us and guides us in this life. And really, everything that you need to know to live by is in the Bible. You don't have to read self-help books. You don't have to read leadership books. Those resources are great. But I can tell you this tonight. If you just looked at the Word of God and studied the books that are in it, it gives you all of the wisdom and the knowledge and the guidance that you need to make sure that you are getting through life, but not just surviving, but thriving. Everybody say the Word of God. Second thing is prayer. We need to make sure we are feeding ourselves with the Word of God naturally. And again, naturally, we need to make sure that we are feeding ourselves through daily prayer. Everybody say daily. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3, it says, call unto me and I will answer thee and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And and there is great power when we pray to God every single day. It's where we get all of our source of power and all of our source of strength to live a, a spiritually fit life, so to speak. If we're not praying 
and we're not reading the Bible, how could we ever expect to survive when the pressures of the world are, are crashing in on us each and every single day? We can't. That would just be confusing. Just like physical food is nourishment to our physical body, spiritual nourishment to us is prayer and reading the Word of God. And so if we're not doing those things, we are going to be spiritually weak. It's just a given. And the more spiritually weak you are, the more susceptible you will be to temptation and all of the things that culture pushes our way. Now, I I would say that there are times where prayer seems to come easy, but have you ever felt in your personal prayer life or at prayer meeting that it just felt difficult to pray for some reason? Maybe you, you didn't even know like how to start or you felt awkward because it had been a few days and, you know, I've joked about this before, but it's like, hey, God, it's me again. It's always been a few days. I've been super busy watching movies and playing video games. My bad. My, I'm here now, though, because uh, I need something and I'm hoping you can help me out, Right? feels a little bit awkward. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. But like anything else, the more that you do something, the easier it gets, right? I don't know how to uh, skate, for example. I, I, I cannot. You could give me skates, and I'm sure I could, like, make it there and back, but I'm 28, and I still cannot physically stop on ice skates, okay? But if I went every day and spent, you know, 20 minutes a day just trying to learn how to skate, I'm sure after a while it would kind of feel more comfortable and natural to me. I'm exposing all my dark secrets tonight, okay? It's like tuna subs with barbecue sauce and the fact that I don't know how to skate. Like, this might be the last Wednesday I'm ever here. Just, that was a dumb joke. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But the more you do something, the easier it gets. It's muscle memory. The more that you go to the gym, the more weight that you'll be able to lift or the longer you'll be able to run. But it's when you stop doing it and try to re-engage into that activity that it becomes very difficult. So sometimes prayer, it doesn't really come naturally for us. And so if we're going to be able to find the right kind of food, we must also fight some enemies that are in the wild. They're going to try and take away these things from us. And I won't be a whole lot longer tonight. There are three things that we must fight if we want to survive and thrive in the wild. Everybody say boredom. The first enemy that each and every one of us must fight is boredom. And you can be honest tonight. You've probably said at some point in your life, reading the Bible and praying is boring to me. How many of you have ever said that? Show of hands. (laughs) It's okay. It was like a creaking door. We've all been there where, you know, something else would definitely be more entertaining or stimulating or more fun than reading our Bible and praying. And can I tell you something tonight? It's very normal to feel that way because let's be honest, it's, it's 8 p.m., it's a Friday night, you're like, I haven't read my Bible yet, and then you get a text from a friend hey, we're going ice skating and we're going to go teach Alex. Do you want to come? You know? It was like, you're going to sit there and be like, hmm, do I want to read my Bible or do I want to go hang out with all my friends? Bible. Oh, hallelujah. Who said that? Thank God. In the back. There are things that try to pull from our attention, and it's natural for us to feel like, you know what, sometimes reading my Bible feels a little bit boring, or sometimes praying feels a little bit boring. 
And it's okay to feel that way. We've all felt that way. It's normal. It's not like anti-spiritual to say that reading is kind of boring sometimes. And so here are just a few tips to help you fight that boredom. Number one, start small. You don't have to read an entire book of the Bible. The goal is, we've talked about this many times before, the goal is quality, not quantity. If you read one verse and go, wow, I didn't really think about it like that before, versus reading an entire chapter but you don't remember anything about it, that doesn't really matter. It's quality, it's not quantity. So start by reading one verse, maybe a chapter of the Bible, that's a great place to start. You could also use a devotional. We've talked about this as well. Something that's going to keep you on track. I've been using a Bible plan recently because it's helped me to stay on track. It's helped keep me accountable and also helped me to... Uh, sometimes I, if, you, if you don't read for a couple days, we've all been there. It's like, where do I start? Do I jump back to where I was? I don't really remember what was going on. Do I start a new book? And so sometimes it's hard to get back into, especially if it's a story from like the Old Testament that's longstanding. It's hard to kind of jump back in. And so doing a devotional or a Bible plan will help you. And, and involve others. Involve others in, in what you're doing. Say, hey, can you hold me accountable? Hey, why don't we talk about this together? Hey, why don't we study this together? Why don't we read this verse and come back next week and talk about it? Those are just some simple ways that we can fight boredom. I'll ask the music to come back. I'm just going to be a couple more minutes. This is a big one for us. Fight the noise. Look at your neighbor say, fight the noise. The wilderness the, the world that we live in today, it is a noisy place. There is a million things that are always calling or, or trying to get our attention. There's always something that could fill that time slot. There are endless series on endless streaming platforms. There's Netflix. There's Amazon Prime. There's Disney Plus. There's a never-ending amount of podcasts or music, or YouTube channels that you are subscribed to. There's an endless amount of video games. There's an endless amount of books to read. There's an endless amount of time to go spend with friends and family. But there are always things that are going to be trying to steal your attention, and, and to be quite honest, steal your time. Those things aren't bad. We've talked about that. I don't need to go any further. But they are trying to take something out of your life. They're trying to take your time. They're trying to take your attention. And by taking your time and investing it into something that's neutral, you're, you're limiting yourself to actually invest that time in something that is good. And so we have to fight the urge sometimes to, you know what, before I, before I watch YouTube today, before I play video games today, before I finish that podcast that I was listening to, or before I go and read another chapter of that book or watch another ser or watch another show out of that series. Before I do any of that, before the noise creeps in in my life, I'm going to make sure that I spend some time with God. I'm going to make sure that I prioritize what is important. There are some times in our life that we just need to silence some things in our life. We need to shut off our phone and just put it away for half an hour. We need to shut the TV off and just walk away. We need to take our AirPods out and go do something else. We need to fight against the noise that just tries to creep in because we can only listen to so many things at the same time. I like to multitask, and I don't always have the greatest attention span, so I'm guilty that if I'm watching something, I might be on my phone at the same time. And, like, really, you're not taking in either wholly. You're, you're only taking them in in part. But 
If you tried to listen to two different podcasts at the exact same time, you, you would, first of all, you wouldn't even be able to listen to it. It wouldn't even make sense. It'd be so confusing and annoying. But, but the reality is if God is going to speak to us, and can I tell you that God, God wants to speak to you? Can I go even further than that and say God is actually probably trying to speak to you sometimes? Like he's, he's trying to talk to you. But sometimes we're just, we're not listening. And it's not that we don't want to. It's not that we don't want to hear from God. But God is a gentleman. And in many ways, if, if you're listening to something else, if you're investing your time in something else, if you're always distracted, the question would be, well, when could God speak to you? If you're always playing something, if you're always watching something, if you're always listening to something, if you're always texting somebody, what point of your life, what time of your day are you actually giving to God to speak to you? Maybe I've told this story before, but there have been moments in my life where God has has spoken to me so clearly, or God has given me a dream or a vision of something that has come to pass. It's very awkward in the moment because the question is like, you know, am I, am I, is this real? Like that's, that's the natural thing, right? You feel like God's speaking to you. And so you second guess, it's like, was that really God? Or, or is that just my thoughts? Or is it because so-and-so said this that made me think of that? And sometimes I can get in my own head, but God has given me dreams and visions in the past. And I've watched those things play out in perfection of how God showed me or told me that they would. And so I've become more accustomed to understand the voice of God and recognize when he's speaking to me. It's like anything else. You build up a tolerance for it. And so now it's pretty evident to me when God is is speaking to me or trying to show me something. But I can remember this one time where God showed me something and, and I really didn't understand it. And so my question to God in prayer was, God, why are you showing me this? Why are you telling me this? Like, what, what good is this for me to know? Why are you telling this to me? Why aren't you telling this to my pastor? Why aren't you telling this to the evangelist? Why aren't you telling this to somebody else? And I have literally had God speak to me and say, because nobody else was listening. Think about that. God, why are you showing me this? Well, it's because nobody else was listening. It's like, oh, thanks, God. So I was like, you know, the fourth person on the list? Cool. Not really. But the point is, God wants to speak to us, and it's very possible that God is trying to speak to you. Maybe he's trying to speak to you about somebody that you go to school with. Maybe he's trying to speak to you about something that he wants you to get started on. Maybe it's somebody that could use a Bible study. They're hurting on the inside, and God, he wants to speak to you, but you're just, you're not listening. And so God says, well, I want to, but, but they're busy. I want to talk to them, but, you know, they're, they're eating the things of this world. They're, they're taking in other things that aren't good for them. And so I'm not going to interrupt that, but when they're ready, I will speak. I believe that God wants to speak to each and every one of us. God wants to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. He wants to use all of us in the gifts of the Spirit. If we are filled with the Holy Ghost, God will use us, but we need to make sure we are giving him an ear to hear what he's saying. And so we need to fight the noise. Look at your neighbor say, fight the noise. And I finish with this. We need to fight condemnation. When you start this journey of finding the right thing to partake of, finding the right food to eat, so to speak, you have to make sure that you fight condemnation. You may feel condemnation because you've made mistakes in the past. Welcome to the club. Look at your neighbor say, welcome to the club. We're all real people. 
we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God at some point in our life. And so we feel inadequate. You know, maybe even you're sitting here right now saying, God wouldn't speak to me because I've done this or I'm struggling with this or whatever it is. That's, that's condemnation. God wants to use you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to use each and every one of us. But condemnation comes in because of how we're living or, or maybe we feel like we're not doing enough for the kingdom or, or why would God use me when he could use so-and-so? And those thoughts are just, they're just so natural to creep into our mind. But condemnation is not from God. God is happy when you are trying to make the right choice. When you are drawing that line in the sand and say, you know what? I know this isn't good for me. I can't, I can't partake in this. But here's what I know is good for me. I'm going to make a step that I'm going to pray five minutes tomorrow morning before I go to school and five minutes tomorrow night before I go to bed. You know what? I'm going to read just a couple verses in my Bible today. God's cheering you on. God's happy. Like he's not angry that you're just reading a couple verses. He's excited that you are making steps. He's excited that, you know what? Wow, look, they're progressing in their walk with me. And and I'm excited because if they just keep on pushing in this, then there's going to be giftings and things that I'm going to do through them that they never even imagined before. That's the God that we serve. And so if you miss a day of your Bible reading, don't let condemnation keep you stopped. Pick it back up tomorrow and keep going. If you forgot to pray today, it's happened to me before. It's a really busy day for some reason. Lots of school, lots of homework, and there's church and all of this stuff. And it's like 1030 at night. It's like, oh my goodness, I, I didn't even think to pray today. What, what a terrible thing. Don't let condemnation sneak in. That'll, that'll push you down. But God says, hey, you know what? You've been making a good effort. You've been really trying. You've been really pushing. You've been really trying to grow. Don't beat yourself up over one day. We're playing the long game. The life, the life that we are in is the long game. It's not about just what we do today, but it's about sustaining and living for God for the rest of our lives. And in that walk with Him, bringing other people to know Him more. And so here's the result. What happens when we find the right food? What happens when we are taking in the right things? Daniel chapter 1, verses 17 to 20, it says this. You might remember the story. I'm not going to read it all, but you know, they said they're not going to eat this. And so they said, you know, let us eat vegetables. And then they tested them and, and they were actually performing better than the other people who are eating the food from the king's table. Does that ring a bell to any of you? Skip over a little bit for time tonight. So after Daniel said, we're not eating what you're offering us, but we're going to take in what we know is good. Daniel chapter one, verse 17 to 20 says, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of dreams and visions. And so when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and uh, no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service, and whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. When you start consuming the right thing and rejecting the wrong thing, others will begin to follow you. And as we see with Daniel and his friends, they thrived in the wild because they said, I'm not partaking in that. It's not good for me. I don't want that. But here's what I know is good for me. I know that prayer is good for me. 
I know that reading the word of God, I know that fasting is good for me. I know that coming to church, I know that submission to my pastors and to my parents is good for me. So I'm not going to do those things that are going to take away from my spiritual health, but I'm going to invest in my spiritual health and do what is right. And they thrived in the wild. And so will we, if we decide, you know what? I'm cutting those things out of my life and I only want to take in what is good. And so that's the call tonight. I'm going to close this in prayer here in just a minute. But just just think about your own life. Just evaluate how you're living today. I'm not talking about sin. I'm just talking about things that, you know what? Ultimately, these are, these are not good for me. That means they could just be neutral. It means they could be bad. But as I pray here in just a second, I want you to consider those things and ask God. I want you to ask God in your own words. God, what is in my life that I need to get rid of? And again, I'm not talking specifically about sin. If you've got sin in your life, you've got to get rid of that. You should have known that way before tonight. But I'm just talking about things that you are doing in your everyday life. Ask the Lord. Why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. God, and I thank you for the call from your word tonight that is to live above a lifestyle of what the culture is trying to push and purvey upon us. And so, God, I pray tonight in my own life, God, I pray that you would search me. And God, as, as David prayed, if there is any wicked thing in me tonight, God, I pray that you would reveal it to me. God, if, if I'm not managing my time right, if my priorities are all messed up, if I'm spending my time doing frivolous things that really don't matter and, and not spending time investing in your kingdom and investing in my spiritual walk, then God, I pray right now for myself, but for every young person in this room tonight, God, that you would show us those areas of our life that are lacking. God, I pray that you would show us the areas of our life that are pulling us away from you. Show us the areas of our life that we are partaking in, that we are ingesting in and eating at, so to speak, that are actually taking us away from you and what you would desire for us to do. God, I pray that you would reveal those things to us right now. And I rebuke that condemnation that tries to come in, but God, I, I humbly welcome conviction. God, I ask that you would convict me of those things. God, I ask that you would convict every young person of those things. God, because you are calling us to a higher level. And God, if we want to see your kingdom advance and if we want to be used and if we want to see our friends come to know you, we understand that we need to lead by example. We need to stand together, but we can't eat the food from the king's table. We can't let culture push upon us and take away what you are trying to do in our lives. So God, reveal those things to us tonight. And I pray that a conviction would set in our hearts, a conviction that calls us higher and and calls us to do better and live more righteously than we have been. And God, I pray, and we'll continue to pray this every week. God, I pray as we leave this place tonight and as we close this service, God, I pray that you would open doors for us. God, I pray that there would be a friend or somebody that we go to school with, somebody that we sit beside right now. God, I pray that you would open a door of opportunity for us to to help them. God, to show your love towards them, to teach them a Bible study, to invest in them and to sow in them so that they can come to know you more. God, I pray that that conviction would set in. I pray that you would open doors for us this week. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your spirit. And I thank you, God for each and every young person in this room that is doing their very best to live for you. And I pray that we would all grow in spiritual maturity. In Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. 
Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for being here at Capital Community Youth.